Last week, I had the privilege of going with about 50 people from Desert Springs to Rocky Point, Mexico. We were able to help a family there build a home for themselves. They were without a home. We were able to build the home for them. For those of you who donated towards that, and especially for those of you who went and served, thank you so much for your generosity. One of the things that we did on the, the first workday was we, we spent time framing up and then pouring a foundation. It's the most critical aspect of the project because no matter how beautiful the house looks on the outside, no matter how ornate, no matter how wonderful, no matter how many rooms are in the house, if the foundation is faulty, what happens? It all what? If the foundation is not a firm, not a solid foundation, if the foundation is faulty, everything else crumbles. As it is with houses, so it is with our lives. Every one of us has built our life on some foundation, some absolute, some value that we hold to be most dear, some thing, some object, some principle, Each of us has built our lives on something. We all have a foundation. And my question for you today is, what happens when the foundation shakes? When the winds blow, when the floods start rising, when the fires burn, what happens to your foundation? Will it stand? Or will it crumble? There are some of you who are here today. You've never imagined that you would be sitting in a church. I know how that feels. And the thing that brought you here today is a shaken foundation. And you're wondering, maybe this Jesus person has something more for me. And I'm so glad you're here. Because what we build our lives on, the foundation that our lives are built upon, it shapes every aspect of our being. It is the anchor that holds us. Our foundation is the thing that we go to for peace. When the chaos and the confusion are at their loudest, we turn to our foundation for rest and direction, for purpose, for worth. So it is important to know, will your foundation fail? Will your foundation fail? Now today we're gonna continue in our uh, series. It's a, a study called Disciple. We're in the Gospel of Mark. We're gonna be in Mark chapter 13 today. And it's this moment in, uh, in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus, in a very hard for us to read and often understand way, directly confronts three faulty foundations of his disciples. And I wanna, uh, I wanna uh, encourage you actually to do something. So if you're the praying type, I'm gonna ask that you would pray for me during this sermon. I prayed for you guys this morning. I'm gonna ask that you would return the favor. Because Mark 13 is, in my opinion, the hardest one to preach. Not only is it kind of confusing, But what happens in Mark 13, we're right before uh, infamous scenes like the Last Supper and the crucifixion, et cetera. We're right here in the story. But one of the things that happens in Mark 13 that's recorded is Jesus directly confronts 
faulty foundations that I have at times built my life on. And so as I've read through this text, as I've studied, as I've prayed through, as I've prepared, this text in particular has been uh, not only difficult, it's been frustrating, it also, in God's providence, is extremely timely. I think that you'll find why. Uh, but I also know this. It will be likely that I will say something that will frustrate you today. Now, some of you are saying, Caleb, that's every week. I know, fam, I got you, but today in particular. And let me tell you something, it frustrates me too. I mean, I'm people too, and I got feelings too, and I got preferences too, and I got things in my life that I don't like to be exposed to the light. So I'm just as nervous walking into this sermon as you are right now hearing me give you this forewarning. So let's all join hands and sing, shall we? Jesus is going to confront three false or faulty foundations. I think you'll see in just a moment just how painful this might be for us. In Mark chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the, the scene is this. Jesus has just uh, finished. Uh, you remember maybe in chapter 11, for those of you that were here two weeks ago, that Jesus rides into the city, into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's sometimes called the triumphal entry. And Jesus goes not to the seat of power, not to the palace, but he goes to the temple, the center of national identity for uh, Jewish people. It, it was the place where his disciples felt uh, was the most uh, powerful. It was, an, it was a symbol of who they were. And he went there and he found money changers and he drove the money changers out of the temple. And then in chapter 12, and Pastor Tim from Phoenix Bible Church was here last week and he touched on this he, as he taught out of uh, chapter 12 that Jesus there in and around the temple, he starts getting attacked. He starts getting confronted by religious leaders and, and, and political power brokers and those who uh, in the city were against him. And you see him rebuffing all of these attacks and then uh, now we're at this moment where they're done with their time at the temple. They're leaving the temple, and this is what happens. As he was going out of the, where are they? Okay, so as he was going out of the, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, look, what massive stones, what impressive buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon the other, all will be thrown down. And everyone gasped. Yes, I know why you're gasping. You're gasping because you know that what Jesus says here directly confronts a faulty foundation that's made clear in the disciples' lives. Now, a, a little backstory. In the Gospel of Mark, it's, it's fascinating to me, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in chapters 8, 9, and 10, in sequential order, you have three distinct moments where Jesus foretells his death. Three distinct moments where he's with his disciples, and he says to them, see, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of our enemies. I'm going to stand before governors. They're going to put me on trial. I'm going to be flogged and beaten and mocked and spit upon and then they're gonna kill me, they're gonna crucify me. But three days later, I will rise. And do you know, in each of those circumstances, do you know how many times the disciples asked the question, when will this happen? Zero times. 
In fact, on each of those occasions, his disciples, the ones that are with him, ask him basically this question. I'd encourage you, go look at chapter 8, 9, and 10 of the Gospel of Mark. They basically go to Jesus and say, can I have more power? Jesus, you are going to be mocked, beaten, scorned, turned over into the hands of your enemies. You're going to be crucified. Cool. What I'm most concerned about is what? Can I have more power? Now, what's intriguing is this. The three times, uh, that's four. Three times, the three times that Jesus foretells his death in vivid detail, they want to know, can I have more what? Power. But watch what happens. It's in the text. If you look at Mark 13, Jesus says, do you see all of these? No stone, uh, uh, verse 2, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And then they, uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew come to him in, in verse 4. And you know what question they ask him? When will this happen? Je- Jesus, we're nervous about what you just said. Jesus, we're saddened by what you just said. Jesus, Jesus, this whole temple destruction thing, that's crazy. When is that going to happen? Now, when he foretold his own crumbling, his own body being torn down three times, what did they ask? Can I have more power? But this one time, Jesus says, do you see this symbol of national power and identity? It will all crumble. And what do they want to know? When. Why do they want to know when? Because it would mean for them, on the foundation that they had built their life, it would mean for them a loss of power. That's why you gasp. Because Jesus says, like, like imagine that you're whoever the disciple was that asked the question. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, like, teacher, look at these wonderful buildings. Aren't they wonderful? And Jesus says, do you see these buildings? Uh-huh. They'll all be torn down. What? What are you saying? In fact, they're so concerned, they go in private to him, and they want to know when. Give us a sign. When will this happen? We got to know. Now, this is interesting to me. Take a look at verse 7. What was the question that they asked? When? (laughs) Okay, so uh, one of the things that you might notice about Jesus is that if he doesn't uh, agree with the premise of your question, he'll answer the question that you should have asked, or he'll answer it in a way that simply confounds you. You see this all throughout the Gospel of Mark, right? If Jesus doesn't like the premise of your question, he will either undermine it, or he'll answer the question that you should have asked. Watch this. What was the question? Jesus said the temple is going to be destroyed. This, This symbol of national political power and identity, it will all crumble. And what... Do they say when? Look at the answer Jesus gives. You ready? Here we go. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but it is not yet the end. What did they want to know? When is the end of the temple? Yeah, it's not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. So is that a Tuesday or now let me ask you a question a rhetorical question just in your own imagination 
Could you ever imagine a time in human history where there has not been either wars or rumors of wars? Could you imagine, is there any moment in human history where there haven't been in various places things like earthquakes and famines? What is Jesus saying here? What's the question they want to know? When? And what does he say? It's going to be a day that ends in why? It's one of those days where, like, the sun's out. You know. He gives such a non-answer answer. There must be some sort of reason. And I, I would encourage you to consider this, that it's highly likely that the reason is, what would you do if you knew? Let's say you knew the end. Let's say you knew your own end. What would you do with that information? What type of a person would you be? Whose mission would you be on? How would you live your life if you knew the date? Oh, we're hungry for the date, aren't we? About every few years, somebody's talking about the Inca calendar or the Aztec calendar. Somebody wrote a book about doing math in the Bible. You'll see a billboard up where you can can turn on certain uh, TV networks and there's people selling end times kits. We want to know. And how clear is Jesus with the answer? Not clear. There must be some reason, and one of the reasons must be, what would we do with the answer? What type of a people would we be? Let's keep pushing into it. Now, uh, one of the things that you'll notice about this text is he says, uh, wars and rumors are wars, and then notice this, these things must take place. We're gonna bring it uh, right, I'm gonna come into your neighborhood, as they say. Like, not only am I gonna come into your neighborhood, I'm gonna open your front door, I'm gonna have a seat on your couch, and in just a minute, I'm gonna dig through your medicine cabinet. We're gonna bring this home. There's silence. Because nobody likes it when pastor says that. What was the faulty foundation that he's confronting? What, what, were, the, what were they concerned would crumble? The temple, is this just a religious building? No, it's the whole temple complex, the whole area. It's, it's a seat of power and political, ooh. What word did he just use? Oops. Political power and national identity. You see, the disciples here had been building their life on a foundation of, as long as we've got the temple, we're gonna be safe. As long as our nation has this symbol of pride, then we're somebody. But in all of Mark 13, he crumbles it all up. He confronts directly the faulty, now I need you to hear me on this, the faulty foundation of political power. I wonder if this is a timely message for us today. I did not know this. I did not look at the calendar when we set out to study Mark 13. But it did cross my mind earlier this week, there was something that happened in our community, kind of a national thing that we do, that made me think, I wonder if Jesus had in mind that we would be talking about this on the heels of, what was it that happened? It was like, the election. Jesus confronts this faulty foundation. For if you and I, if we build our lives on the foundation of political power, we build our lives on something that will crumble. 
I want to lean into this just for a little while because I'm gravely concerned for our church family that we might fall into the temptation of building our lives around a political identity rather than building on the foundation which will stand eternal. So, so I, I'm going to ask that you would give me some grace. I'm going to ask that you would come with me. I'm also going to ask that you would do me the honor of not putting words in my mouth as we seem to be prone to do in this particular cultural moment. And anything that I say that is not of God, ignore it. But I know that at least for me and my heart and my preferences, my opinions, Jesus has been trampling on them the last three weeks. And uh, I'm not happy about it, so I'm going to take it out on you. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. First, I, I did want to say, uh, today is Veterans Day. And Veterans Day, we... Um, today is the 99th anniversary of the conclusion or the ending of World War I. It is the, excuse me, it's the 100th anniversary. It's the 99th Armistice Day, which eventually became Veterans Day. And I want to say on behalf of our church family, if I may, and also for me as an individual, for those of you that have served the armed forces, protecting peace, human flourishing, fighting for righteousness and for justice, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you for... So I just, I want to be clear about this. Laying down your rights, your privileges, your safety, and your preferences for the sake of the flourishing of others is a gospel mindset. And you have enacted that in a way that the rest of us have not. At great risk and great cost, and so thank you. I just, I, I, if you don't mind, uh, regardless of what nation you're from, I just would encourage you to join me in praying right now. Uh, I know that many of us are from different nations, and we may have uh, some folks who have served in this way that we may want to thank. I, I just right now, if it's okay with you, I want to pray and just uh, give thanks to the Lord. And so if you're the praying type, if you would join me as we pray. Lord, we are thankful for the men and women that you have raised up from within our community and around the world who have fought the cause of justice, fought for justice, fought for flourishing, for human dignity, and for peace. We know, as Mark 13 says, that nation rises against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there is great chaos, especially when evil persists. And so we give you thanks on this Veterans Day for those men and women that you have raised up and called to serve in this way. We ask that you would pour your blessings out on them this day that they might feel appreciation and love. Bless them and keep them, Lord. We ask these things in your name, amen. Woodrow Wilson, President Woodrow Wilson, uh, 99 years ago, on November 11th, 1919, said this. I'm gonna read, this is the tail end of a speech he gave on the first Armistice Day, and I would like for you to uh, see if you recognize in this speech that Wilson gave up 99 years ago, some of the truths that you find here in Mark 13. Wilson says this, uh, and, and when he speaks about the war, he means World War I. The war showed us the strength of great nations acting together for high purposes. And the victory of arms foretells the enduring conquests which can be made in peace when nations act justly and in furtherance of the common interests of all mankind. 
To us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride, Armistice Day being Veterans Day now. Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in this country's service and with gratitude for the victory, both of the thing from which it has freed us and because of the opportunity it has given America to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the councils of nations. Wilson gave that address 99 years ago. And one of the things that undergirds Wilson's address is this, is that there are times when nations do not stand for justice and truth and righteousness. And there are times where nations rise against nations. Now I'm gonna push, here we go. If my peace and security stems from, I need you to follow me, if my peace and security stems from my national identity or my political power, namely, if my team's in power, then I'm at peace, then I am building, follow me, I'm building my life on a foundation that is not eternal and will falter. I will prove it to you. Look back through the corridors of history, and one of the things that you will see about nations is they have the propensity to rise and then fall. I need you to hear me. I am not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that I think that's happening right now. I'm not saying it is, but I do know this. It is not eternal. Jesus confronts the faulty foundation of his disciples. Your power, your peace, your security, if it is in a national identity or a political power, then you are building your life on a foundation that will falter. I'm gonna push even further. If the foundation of our lives is political power or national identity, a huge temptation is to look at those who do not have that same foundation as subhuman. I'm gonna be very presumptuous here and ask you to take an accounting of what you have called the people on the other side in your mind. I am gravely concerned that our church family may fall into the temptation of first identifying ourselves with a political party or national identity and secondarily identifying ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God. Shocker, there are people who love Jesus and follow after him who are not agreeing with you about all of your political perspectives. Like Thanksgiving's coming up, you might be around a table with a bunch of those folks. Oh, that we would be a church family that are bound together by Jesus first, foremost, center of it all, and that our political differences and our national identities would not only be secondary, 
but will be opportunities for us to show grace and understanding, seeking to learn from one another, seeking to better one another, seeking to bear one another's burdens, that we might be a people who reflect the unifying power of the gospel to a dead and dying world who the only thing they know is to fight and kill one another. At Desert Springs Bible Church, we are such an eclectic, diverse group of people. We need the New Testament commands that say, forgive one another, show grace to one another, bear with one another's burdens. Why? Because we hate each other outside of the gospel. Oh, that we would be a church bound together by Jesus, that our firm foundation would be stronger than political ideologies or national identities. Why? Because, take a look at this, political powers will fail. But, do not fear. Remember, the disciples, they're like, the temple's gonna fall, what are you saying? Jesus pushes it even further. You think that was bad? Guess where we're going next? But you, be on your guard. They will hand you over to local courts and you will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. And it is necessary that the gospel be preached to all nations. Now, two things I want you to notice. Number one, did the disciples ask Jesus this question? What was the question that they asked? Jesus said, temple's gonna fall, you're your national identity, it's all gonna crumble. Your, your, your epicenter of political power, it's gonna fall. And what question did they wanna know? When? And Jesus says, not telling you. But let me answer a question that you didn't ask. What should you be doing in the meantime? You see, the disciples didn't say, Jesus, uh, be, whenever these events take place, as your disciples, what instructions would you have for us? What do you want us to be doing, Jesus? What business do you want us to be about? What, what mission would you place us on? They don't ask that question, do they? They do not. But it's the question that he answers. But you, be on your guard. Now, I want you to think about something. In just a few short moments, in Mark 14 and 15, Jesus will be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will stand before Pilate and Herod and he will be flogged, beaten, mocked, and scorned. I want you to see if anything here sounds familiar, okay? Jesus is saying this to his disciples. They will hand you over to local courts. Did that happen to Jesus? You will be flogged. Is that something that happened to Jesus? And you will stand, uh, you will stand before governors and kings because of me. Did that happen to Jesus? Jesus here is proving the point. If you wanna follow me, you're gonna be like me. And if you wanna follow me, I'm not leading you to a couch, I'm leading you to a cross to be a disciple of Jesus. The, the, the imagery of discipleship is crucifixion. Giving up our rights, our privileges, our preferences, our possessions, so that his mission might go forth. You'll notice here, what's the last sentence? It is necessary that the gospel be preached to just the people you like, just the nations that don't offend you, who? You see, the kingdom of God is for all people. This is why our foundation must be on something firm. 
One of the ways that I see this lived out, uh, we, we've got some, uh, one of our cross-cultural uh, partners who serves in the Middle East. I, I'm not going to say their name just for um, safety purposes, uh, but they were a part of our church family, and, and they have given up their privileges. They have given up their preferences. They have given up the ability to earn and, and gain wealth to a great degree because of where they're at. They have given up their safety in a country that's hostile, not just apathetic, but openly hostile against Jesus and his followers? How does someone like that, how does a family give up all to go do church planting work in the Middle East in a region that's hostile to Jesus? How does a person find the strength to do that? They say, my foundation is firm. This gospel must be preached to all nations only happens if our foundation is firm. In fact, as a church family, you can take a look at this. In our discipleship, uh, next steps, we'll put it up here on the screen. You'll notice that reaching out is one of the fundamental principles of a disciple. Disciples are called to proclaim the gospel to whom? Yes, everybody. To all nations. In fact, one of the things that we've been praying through, in fact, excuse me, we're in the middle of four weeks of prayer right now. As a church family, we set out two weeks ago to join in unity and in an expectation to pray, to ask God that he would show us what he has next for our church family. And I know that there have been hundreds of us who have been praying every day as we've been getting those text messages. And by the way, it's not too late to sign up. If you haven't yet, I'm gonna encourage you right now, you can take out your phone, you text DSBC to 55222. The reason that we're doing this, we're not gonna sell you anything, the only thing we're gonna send to you is reminders to pray with the link. The reason we wanna do this is because we wanna be a church who prays in unity, and praise an expectation that God would speak to us about what he's calling us to do next. In fact, uh, one of the things I'm gonna ask you to do today and, and next week and the following week is this. If, you, if God has been moving in your life as you've been praying, if you've been hearing from God in a certain way, maybe you felt some conviction, maybe you felt God calling you in a certain way or calling us in a certain way, in the back of the seat in front of you are a bunch of these prayer cards. Today, next Sunday, during the week, whatever, grab one of those prayer cards, fill it out, put it in the connection card uh, boxes in the back or drop it in the offering plate, whatever is more convenient for you, because our leadership team, we wanna join you in praying that. We wanna hear from God as a church family. And so I'm gonna ask you, if, if the Lord's speaking to you, if you've seen the Lord moving, to fill that out. Uh, you can do that now, you can do that next Sunday, the following week. But one of the things that I've been reminded of is just to be a, to be a man who prays that God might show me day by day who it is that he's calling me to be a light to. I think about my neighbors. I would say my coworkers, but I'm pretty sure they're squared away. Um, I think about a lot of you, actually. The Lord's been showing me different people in my life that I need to be a light to, that I need to live and proclaim the gospel to. Uh, maybe he's been doing that in your life as well. Why do we do that? Because our foundation is built on Jesus, a firm foundation. And it's also recognizing this truth. Take a look. Your health, wealth, and power will falter. Jesus says you're gonna stand before governors and kings. You're gonna be flogged. You're gonna be mocked. You're gonna be ridiculed. You're gonna lose your social capital. Why? Because of me. There may be some of us here today who Jesus is calling to live sacrificially for his purposes. There may be some of us here today who Jesus is calling to 
put at risk health, wealth, power, social capital, what other people think of us. And have no fear, because those things will falter anyways. I'd like to prove it to you. Uh, your health, your wealth, your power will falter, and if you just go to a cemetery and ask around, they'll tell you. Excuse me. If our foundation is built on our health, on our wealth, or our power, we are building our lives on something that is not eternal. We are building our lives on something that will crumble. What is the thing that you possess today that if it was taken away from you, you would not just be sad, but you would be crushed? You wouldn't even want to be anymore. You would feel anchorless or foundationless. What if the health goes away? What if the wealth goes away? What if the power goes away? What is your life built on? And just in case we were feeling really good right now, let's continue. They continue to want to know why, and Jesus continues to talk about painful things that are going to be in store for his disciples. And then he says, but in those days after that tribulation, so tribulation means like a really hard time or a really bad time, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light, the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now, um, you didn't gasp, so we're going to do that one more time. Because I want you to see what Jesus is saying here. First, he confronts the faulty foundation of political or national identity. Secondly, he confronts the faulty foundation of health, wealth, and power. And now he confronts the very foundations of the cosmos. There may be some of us who say, yeah, you could take it all away, but at least the natural order of things will continue on. At least, uh, what's that movie? Life will find a way. At least it'll go on. But if you're into the sciences or, or science fiction like I am, you know that there's like an expiration date on the sun. Jesus knew that when he said this. In those days, after that great uh, tribulation, painful time, the sun will be darkened. Oh. Like, could you imagine things without a sun? We're gonna try that one more time. The sun will be darkened. And the moon will not shed its light. And the stars will be falling from the sky. job. This is the entire collapse of the cosmos. If you weren't shaken at the loss of a foundation of political identity or power, and you weren't shaken at the loss of health, wealth, and power, Jesus shakes the very foundation of the cosmos. By the way, this imagery is super hyperbolic, and it's horrifying, isn't it? Like, I don't read Mark 13 to my kids before bed. The cosmos will shake, but do not fear. <laughs> what? Uh, 
Can't build my identity or my foundation on uh, nationalism or uh, politics. Can't build my uh, foundation on uh, health, wealth, uh, power. Can't build, can't build a foundation on the very natures of the cosmos, for that will shake. All will shake. All are faulty foundations. And you tell me, preacher, do not what? Fear. How on earth can we say that? Take a look. Now, concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Remember, Jesus, uh, he was often coy about how he would answer questions. You guys know that, don't you? And what was the question that they wanted to know? When? He gets to it. No one knows. Like, he does this whole dissertation, and at the very end of it, he says what? No one knows. Not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It will all crumble, he says. It will all crumble. But... Do not fear. How can we say that? Look at this. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. So what are we supposed to do? Remember the question we didn't ask Jesus? Jesus, what would you like us to be doing until the end? What does he say? Watch, be alert. Do not fear, what? Watch. Look. The gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. And so watch. Live as if every moment matters. Do not be caught unawares. Do not be caught off guard. For there's a day that I'm coming. But until that day comes, what? Don't fear? Watch. Now how is it that we cannot fear? Take a look at what he says. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great anxiety and trepidation. Wait, that's not what it says. Uh, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great weakness uh, and insecurity. What does it say? With great power and glory. You see, three days after he was crucified, Jesus Christ rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death. And he stands victorious over his enemies, calling all peoples of all nations to turn from their sin and to follow him as his disciples and to build their lives on a firm foundation. There's an old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. In Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, sinking sand. Watch, be alert, but build your life on a firm foundation. Jesus is calling you to turn from your sin and build your life on him as his disciple. His is the only foundation that lasts. Will your foundation fail? Turn to Jesus, for Jesus never fails. We wanna help you put this into practice. In fact, if you take a look at our next steps, there's two things I wanna highlight Number one is uh, we call people, all disciples of Jesus, to build relationships within the context of authentic community. Because we need to be a people who are reminded of this moment by moment. I don't know about you, but earlier this week, I forgot this. And my heart grew anxious, frustrated, and fearful. I need to be reminded. I think maybe you need to be reminded too. Day by day, we need to be reminded. And that only happens in the context of community. If you are not connected to a smaller grouping of people, let today be the day that you decide to say, I'm gonna invest in relationships with others 
in and through our church family. The way to do that is you go to Direct and Connect. It'll help you take that next step. You can also find more information in the ministry guide in the back of the seat in front of you. But there are some of us who are still saying, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Let today be the day that you decide to talk with someone, to talk it through, what it would look like for you to follow Jesus. We would encourage you to discover Jesus, and we can connect you with one of the coaches here at Desert Springs. It's super informal. We'll go out for coffee, go out for a meal, go out for a beer, and just talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in real life. If you want to connect with someone in that way, connecting with a coach, you can do so by visiting Direct and Connect. Build your life on a firm foundation. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. In Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, sinking sand. Would you pray with me?